Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is a transformative time for black America. Our income is at an all-time high, and the opportunity for economic empowerment is unprecedented. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. Build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. All right, here we go. Pac-12 fans, this one's for you. Put your hands up, This is the Pac-12 Apostles. Keeping it real. And only the truth lives here. Pac-12 Apostles. Apostles. Week 9 in the Pac-12 is in the books and in college football. And we have the college football playoff rankings are out. Ralph clearly owes me an apology. And uh, Jimmy Lake makes some interesting comments about academic prowess. And Herm Edwards says it's his team, not him. And what's up with Chip Kelly's job security? And of course, our week 10 preview. And again, we are joined by the man, the myth, the legend, John Wilner. He is the man who writes the Will, um, the Pac-12 hotline. Uh, part of the Bay Area news group syndicated by so many places. And if you are an Oregon fan, then um, you probably hate John Wilner. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I, I kid, I kid. Um, you guys, I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amson. And this is John Wilner as well with the Pac-12 Apostles. Uh, you guys can always hit us up, 818-293-7547. Um, shoot us a text message or an email. I'm mad. I M M A D at unafraid show.com. So, um, John, what did you make out of, and you too, Ralph, out of week nine in the Pac 12? Well, uh, we still only have one bowl eligible team. So, that's 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 where I'm at. That that everybody else has an average of three and a half uh, when you're talking about the other Power Five conferences, 
and we have won. So that was that was my takeaway. People blowing opportunities. Nobody wants to be the number two team in the conference. I think for like the seventh week in a row, our number two team yep. uh, lost, and that is getting annoying. So uh, that that that's my takeaway. I am currently wondering if anybody wants to have any level of success outside of Oregon. Fair, fair. The the one thing about those teams that had five wins: Oregon State, ASU, UCLA all losing is that that adds to the victory count for teams that are still trying to get bowl eligible, right? Cal is closer to getting to a bowl game. Utah is closer to getting to a bowl game. Uh, So, you know, I think now you could reasonably think that there could be eight bowl eligible teams based on the results from this weekend. Which was the pride of 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 a of a Larry Scott run conference. It was it, one of his most <laughs> one of his most famous slash infuriating quotes was uh, about getting nine teams to a bowl game and saying you know in in response to them going two and seven, pretty much saying it's better to show up than it is to win, um, and that that is something that the, that is a mindset that needs to be uh, left in the past, <laughs> in my opinion. And as it relates to, you know, the the powers that be in in the conference, would you say that that the better teams won this weekend? What a I mean, question! Because because we had Colorado, Oregon. I think we can all agree the better team won. Arizona, USC, better team won. UCLA, Utah, did the better team win because. DTR didn't play. Probably. And how about Washington State, Arizona State? Did the better team win? Well, team has more than one definition, doesn't it? It's the way that people come together to be a cohesive unit, uh, or it's the level of talent um, as a whole. Level of talent as a whole, the answer is no. Uh, The team that actually is overcoming the adversity that they're facing um, and not completely melting down in the face of it is Washington State, which would make them, in that definition, the better team. I think unless Oregon's playing or Colorado or Arizona's playing, it's hard to know who the better team is. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like what Ralph said about the parody, and it's the same thing that we saw in 2017, 2018, 2019, right? Parody. Now, if Oregon can keep winning – that parody's okay because there'll probably be a playoff team, right? The problem is if the parody if rises up and you end up without a playoff team, and then you just got a whole bunch of mediocrity. Yeah, and uh, the AP poll, um, well, the college football playoff ranking poll came out, and John, we're looking, I'm looking at your poll right now. Your top 10 was Georgia, Cincinnati, Alabama, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Oregon, Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma State. So how did you feel about the college football playoff committee just just balling up your rankings and throwing them in the trash? Uh, I feel pretty smart, actually. <laughs> no, kidding. Uh but I do think that there were a couple issues. I agreed with them about oh, uh, Oregon being ahead of Ohio State, 
right? I think that the head-to-head needs to matter. If everything else is basically equal, the head-to-head's got to matter. Uh, I thought the Cincinnati, their ranking of Cincinnati was unfair. I, I think Cincinnati should be ahead of Oregon and, and Ohio State. Uh, Alabama at number two, you know, that was easy to see coming. Easy to see coming. So, you know, I thought it kind of is what it is. At least in multiple instances, they favored the head-to-head victor, right? It wasn't just Oregon, Ohio State. There were some other uh, situations, and they and each time Wisconsin, Iowa, for instance, right? I mean, Wisconsin's got three losses. Why would they be in the poll? But if you're going to rank Iowa, and they and Wisconsin just beat the snot out of them, you kind of have to have Wisconsin in there. So the fact that they uh, adhered to head-to-head results, I thought was good. Yeah, I. this is the first time that we didn't have those weird old things happening in the college football playoff where a team, aside from Texas A&M, which beat Alabama, every other head-to-head matchup were, was was ranked where the, per, the people who beat them were ahead of the team that lost, which I, I like that consistency. Yep. So, uh, you would. John, you You would like it. John, so do you believe Ralph owes me an apology for saying that the committee was not go- that the committee was going to put Ohio State in front of Oregon? <laughs> I think so, it owes me a case of beer. Even better. I uh, to quote Conor McGregor, apologize to absolutely no one. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> the. Uh, the the overall discussion that we were talking about was was all other things being equal a twelve and one Ohio State and a twelve and one Oregon. There's a long way to go. I will give you that this is completely unexpected for me. I did think that uh, that the the initial vote would be more in line with the AP, but then if that correction comes that you guys have been talking about, it might go the other way. So there's still a lot of season left. And while I agree. I want to be very clear about that. And I said this last time, I agree that Oregon should be above Ohio State. I don't think it can last if both teams continue on to 12 and 1, though Oregon, I believe, does have the most difficult schedule left in the Pac-12. You know, it won't last. I mean, and part of it's because of the Pac-12, right? Oregon probably isn't going to face a ranked team, whereas Ohio State's going to get Michigan, Michigan State, and the Big Ten championship game three weeks in a row, they're going to have ranked opponents. So if, if they win all those games, they're going to, they're going to pass Oregon and the committee will say the head to head only matters if their the resumes are comparable and the resumes aren't comparable. So the head to head doesn't matter anymore. John, what kind of nuclear situation are we facing? If undefeated Cincinnati, undefeated Wake Forest and undefeated Oklahoma are all left out of a college football playoff. Well, I don't think undefeated Oklahoma will be left out because they got enough ranked teams left to justify getting in there. Wake Forest will be easy uh, to leave out because ACC is terrible. And they, uh, they, would, they wouldn't have played, depending on what happens with NC State this weekend, they may not even play a ranked team all year. Yeah. Cincinnati's different than Wake Forest because they won at Notre Dame and they did so impressively. And that's kind of why I think they should be ahead of Ohio State and, and Oregon. They've got no losses and they won at Notre Dame. So uh, it'll be interesting. But Oklahoma will be in. If, the, if, if Alabama wins, they're getting in. If Oklahoma wins, they're getting in. Assuming Georgia only loses once, they're in. And that leaves one spot. Is there a situation in which you have 
and I don't feel like this would ever happen, but I am curious. Cincinnati gets left out. Notre Dame wins out and gets left out. That that there would be a situation in which a major bowl is looking for two participants and is left with no other choice but to pair up Cincinnati and Notre Dame again. Yeah, I mean, it could happen, right? The at-large spots this year are uh, Peach and Fiesta. So it could happen, sure. I mean, they, you know, the committee will try not to have a rematch, but I, I'm, there's probably a way that scenario could unfold. Now, on to uh, what the drama that was in the conference this week. So it is Oregon-Washington week, and of course that's, you know, th- this is a huge ri- rivalry, probably one of the mo- more underrated in the country. And Jimmy Lake was asked about their battles on the field and also in recruiting. And he said that um, that that's way more pumped up than it is. Our battles are really the schools that we go that we go against have academic prowess like the University of Washington, Notre Dame, Stanford, USC. We go with a lot of battles, toe-to-toe, all the way to the end with those schools. So I think that's made up and pumped up in the media's world. In our world, we battle more academically prowess teams. And I'm like... That was something. Yeah, and I'm like, first thing, did you forget about UCLA and Cal, buddy? Like and 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 in the conference, they're not even the most uh they're they're not even the highest ranked public university in the conference. Like that like I and they keep losing recruiting battles to Oregon. Oregon flipped two of the guys that were committed to him. How bad was this comment, guys? He pulled a shooter McGavin. He did the, he said, uh, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. And what's the response <laughs> to that, George? You eat pieces of shit? Right. Yeah. So that's the situation that we're in right now is uh, he came out and he, he said, you know, hey, we, we go out there, we compete with these other schools for recruits. And then you pull up the recruiting rankings and they're in the 50s. And those other schools like Stanford and Notre Dame are in the top 15 for the class of 2022. So you say, you know, we're not even worried about Oregon. We're worried about these other institutions that we're also losing to. And uh, that's a it's a lot to digest. I mean, I think the big thing is he put his players in a tougher spot, right? It's it, First of all, it's not a dignified look for the highest profile employee of the university because Oregon and Washington work together on a lot of research things, uh, and the two presidents are, are friendly on Pac-12 matters. But, like, he's just making life more difficult for his players when he, he does that, right, for, for this weekend because you know Oregon's going to use it for – you know, extra motivation. So uh, he just needs to, you know, you can say that kind of thing. If you're the coordinator, defensive coordinator, you could say that kind of thing. You could take cheap shots at Mike Leach or the air raid after the Apple cup. If you're the defensive coordinator and everybody thinks it's funny and then forgets about it. But when you're the head coach, you can't say that kind of stuff. Well, and also let's be really clear. Nobody competes with Stanford in recruiting. It's not it's not Correct. really a thing that Stanford recruits are Stanford recruits. 
Yes. To a certain extent, Notre Dame recruits are Notre Dame recruits. Nobody says, and, and granted, I give Washington credit for being a good, good research university, having a medical school, all of these things. But you can't sit up here and act like kids are like, oh my, oh my, oh my God, let me let me debate between this Stanford education and this Washington education. I, I mean, am am I am am I tripping here? Is it is is this my you know bias against Washington showing, or or do I think, or is that right? The only time I've ever heard that is my oldest son. His two favorite schools are Stanford and Washington, like to attend. So I'm watching I'm watching him closely and, and seeing if he will ultimately affirm what Jimmy Lake has to say. Um, but I, I, it's not as somebody who has covered recruiting since 2012. I do not run into prospects that I interview that say they are down to uh, Washington and, and Stanford. I do talk to a lot of prospects who are, are regionally get caught up in the uh, the. Oregon, uh, Washington battles that do happen. Now, have they sort of sectioned off and they have separate identities as as teams? Would it be fair to say that? Yes. Could he could he just say that like, yeah, this is absolutely a rivalry. We compete for some of the same kids, but we have two different identities. And so that recruiting rivalry is a little bit overblown. That would have been a great way to do it. But he tried to take a shot at Oregon as an academic institution. And I just don't I don't think that that's I don't think that's helpful at all not helpful yep and and what but what do you think that does to Jimmy Lake's you know the the pressure on on him because Washington over in the last two years in this year they are what they only have 10 commits and they are eighth in the Pac-12 and like 50s, 60s in 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 the nation, and then in 2021 class they were, um, yeah, in the 2021 class they were number six in the Pac-12, six in the Pac-12, um, and a lot of that was propped up by by Heward as well, who felt a lot of pressure to go there, who may who may have wanted to go somewhere else is what I what I've actually heard. Well, maybe, uh, maybe they're like Florida and they only recruit in the off season, George. Oh, oh, ouch, <laughs> ouch! That 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 would get you canned real quick. Um, I don't think. I just want to point out. I do not think that any of their ten commits have an offer from either Stanford or Notre Dame. The only time well, Washington uh, Ryan Otten does Ryan Otten does who they never would have. They were going to get him regardless. The only time they recruit against Stanford is when there are offensive linemen in Washington that Stanford's going after. Really. Connor Weddington, maybe. But, you know, because offensive linemen are smart and they get into Stanford and Stanford recruits those guys everywhere. Garnett, for instance. That's the main uh, instance when Washington and Stanford go head to head. But Washington should not be. they They shouldn't be recruiting against Stanford and Notre Dame because those are national recruiters and Washington should not be going after get wasting time going after guys outside, you know, the western third of the country. And Bro. this week Jake Dickard took the opportunity to come out and say like, "Hey, we're trying to run our program on Washington recruits." Yeah. So even even Jake Dickard took the opportunity to jump in there and get some positive publicity at at Jimmy Lake's expense. 
Yep. Um, and what do you think, uh, John and Ralph, about Jake Dickert's new, um, his new <laughs> nick nickname? What what people are saying, John? They call it. Uh, they're like, yes, we we love him. It's Big Dickert Energy. Are we allowed to talk about that on this show? <laughs> That's his name. <laughs> uh, you know, I think he's doing a good job, right? You kind of have to. The BYU game was so close to the the firings and also they didn't have like they hadn't restocked their offensive staff they hadn't hired those guys so really in some ways the arizona state game was the first real fair opportunity to evaluate this new regime and you know they look good i think he's got a real chance to get the job right because they don't want to change culture they want to keep their culture they want continuity i think if they can if they can win the apple cup i bet you they they hire him Yep, I, do, um, I don't have a comment on <laughs> on on uh, Big Dickert energy. All right, um, now Ralph <laughs> brought to my attention something that Herm Edwards uh, said. Uh, can 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 you tell the people? Oh yeah, so he was just you know he asked to answer for them not meeting expectations, um, and his response was, "It's the players." That this is the, the the players need to execute. Players need to play better. That they they did whatever they took the bye week to get prepared for Washington State. Washington State didn't do anything that you know overly surprised them or anything like that. That is just a matter of the, the the players need to get it together. There are some people who took that as a lack of accountability from Edwards or the coaching staff or him being out of touch. I didn't really receive it that way, but I, I did think that it it it, it has people talking. Therefore, there is interest in that response. Uh, well, how thoughts? do you feel? If George, if you're a player and the coach says that, how do you feel? I mean, on, on, on some level, like, yes, we fumbled, right? I mean, if, if, I, if I'm a player and I feel like that there are – that there is things schematically or, or scheme-wise that we should be doing differently, I don't really like that. But when you look at that, that there's two different types of mistakes. There are physical mistakes and then there are mental m- mistakes. Some of the some of the mental mistakes are on the players and some of them are on the coaches for not having them properly prepared and ready. But physical m- mistakes are pretty much on the player. Like when you fumble the football, if you get a personal foul, if you drop a ball, those things aren't usually because you're not being coached well enough. It, it can be a discipline problem because Arizona State clearly just shoots themselves in the foot regularly with so many penalties. But as far as drop balls and fumbles, that that's kind of on the players. But well, I, think it's but I don't more, like my coach saying it, though. I think I'd be more worried about what Jake Dickert said after the game, which was that Arizona State team is really good. We just played harder. Like, so you have the opposing coach commenting on your effort. You have your own coach oh, commenting wow. on your mistakes. Yes. And I think, I think at the end of the day, it, it's not a good look. And you, ne- you never want to be in a, it's a lose lose situation. You never want to be in a position as a coach where you're having to answer for people's failures. Like, because what, what are you going to, what are you going to say? You're going to be like the Detroit Lions head coach that's like, it's all me. Well, then eventually, like, people start to believe what you're saying and they want to get rid of you. Or you say, like, yeah, the players didn't do, like, we don't coach them to fumble. 
What are we supposed to stop the game in the middle of the game and have a 20-minute lecture on holding on to the ball tighter? They were moving the ball on offense. All of these fumbles were taking place past the sticks. Um, and so I, I think I think that if you believe that your players can handle it, and we have seen players kind of rallying to Herm Edwards this week. Doug Holler of The Athletic wrote a column asking if the players had quit on Herm Edwards, and Jordan Clark, the starting nickelback, quote tweeted it, said, we'd, you know, we, we didn't quit on anybody. Um and so, you know, I, I think that it, if it's the media that ultimately forces the players to start taking accountability for their actions, um, then that's something that reflects poorly on the coaching staff is where is the actual accountability coming from? If you make mistakes, are you getting benched? They're the most penalized team in the conference. They are on the verge of being penalized at the same rate that Dennis Erickson's ASU teams were when they had Vontez perfect collecting the bulk of those penalties. And so, you know, at what point do you get to the point where there's some type of consequence within the team or the leaders on the team holding, uh, each other accountable who is going to fix this um if not the coaches so you know it's going to be a bad look for herm edwards regardless of what he says they're not super satisfied with him uh in in arizona right now but at the same time he's not wrong like that you don't you can't you can't what is a coach going to say george that would keep you from fumbling the football uh listen do they need to tell you yeah, I don't mean, fumble. Like, no, 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 no. They'll be like high, high and tight. Lock it up on on the way down. Stop trying to fight for extra yards. Like just, just, just go down, man. Because we we have to stop this. Like at at. I mean, those are some of the small coaching things. But in general, no, nah, it's it's mo- mostly players not following their technique. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Um, and now on to the next thing that was a big topic, Chip Kelly's job security. There have been rumblings and rumors going on about things going on down at UCLA, maybe a buyout and, and all of this, but he's buyouts $8 million right now on January 15th. It goes down to $0 um, between the three of us. Who thinks that Chip Kelly will be UCLA's head coach in 2022? Who are they playing? They're playing USC. They're playing. Um, um, I'll, pull it, I'll get it right now. They play this week. They play Colorado, USC, and Cal. So they have Colorado, USC, and Cal left. I think he should be. I mean, assuming assuming the 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 wheels don't come off even more on this season than they already have. Um, I see what he's trying to build. Um, it would, it, it would be, you have to understand that if you bring somebody else in, I don't know if they're going to know what to do with the ingredients that he has in the kitchen. He's kind of cooking something only he can cook right now. Well, well, he may have to cook. Oh, well, sorry. I'll let, I'll let you go, John. Oh, well, I, you know, I, I was asking who they're playing because I think that it's possible. The record is going to really matter, right? Yeah. If they went out, Colorado, and Cal, and USC, and it's certainly reasonable to think they could win all three of those games. Then they're eight and four, and they're six and three in the in the division. And the administration, which is staring at a hundred million dollars in cumulative debt at the athletic department, administration can point to eight and four, six and three, and say that's real progress under in yeah. year four. You know, and it's kind of year three in some ways because last year was such a waste. And you know they may feel like that's that's good enough to bring him back eight and four, and I would I wouldn't necessarily take an issue with that. But if you're talking about they lose to Cal and they lose to SC and they're six and six, then I think they're going to make a change. But it's going to be a tricky change because of the date, right? If you if you don't make your change until January fifteenth, that's a month after the early signing period and two weeks before the late signing period, and that's a tough spot. So they may need to get donors to come forward to to buy him out before the fifteenth of January. Well, I'm wondering, see, I think that they should keep him if he wins out because they have a uh, they're building a good recruiting class this year. Um, and they may actually have a kid flip to them from Stanford pretty soon. And if Chip because Chip Kelly, I feel confident with him in the offense. But they need to, uh, I mean, I hate to say it, I know it's Chip's boy, but Jerry Azanaro, that there has to be a change on the defensive side. Like, he's got to bring in a bona fide defensive guy to run his defense. Yeah, I think that's fair. I Jerry Azanaro, you and I talked about when we first started this podcast two years ago, George, that that it we we have to evolve past – needing a security blanket 
as as a head coach, needing somebody in there who is just going to be your friend, you know, whether that was Keith Patterson with Todd Graham, you know, which which the relationship between those two caused plenty of um, strife for Arizona State as a program because Keith Patterson was there as defensive coordinator, but was really only doing it in name only and was only there because he'd been with Todd Graham at several other stops. You got Marvin Lewis there with, 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 with Herm Edwards to make him feel a little bit more comfortable. Like these are, the, these are grown men. You shouldn't need somebody there for you um, that you just get along with so that you enjoy your five plus million dollar annual salary more and aren't overly stressed out. Like if Jerry Azanaro is adding to what UCLA is doing, he should be there. If not, he should not. We had this discussion two years ago. It remains true. Now he has no sort of accessibility or accountability within the program. Um, Willer, was it, was it you that said that like if Ben Bolch is writing a column in the LA times lighting you up, then it probably means your time is coming to an end. I mean, you know, if I, as a beat, former beat reporter like Ben, in fact, I covered UCLA uh, years ago. I mean, that was a really strong column, and you got to probably feel like you got. There's a good chance a coach is going to get fired to write that column because otherwise, you've got to have no relationship with him the next season. So that kind of uh, that was kind of the clue I took away from that is that they they think down there that that a change is going to be made. And don't forget, there's a new athletic director, right? Martin German. Martin German. He did not. Martin German. <laughs> Martin German he, doesn't follow very many like, people on social media, but he follows Ben Bolch. You know he saw the column. Yo, he's like win. He's an Ohio State guy. He and he's actually said football will win here at UCLA, no matter what. So, yo, he's he's got the basketball program fixed. Well, actually, you know what? Well, he didn't actually get 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 the the basketball game. I mean, he may have been involved in the hire on some some level, but the basketball program is fixed. Now you got to fix the football program. Um, uh, but we had a bunch of games this last week, and we'll go through them. Uh, starting with the uh, Arizona USC game, um, you had. USC win 41 to 39. Um, yeah. How, how did we do on this game, Ralph? Well, uh, we all picked USC. So poorly. <laughs> we said, uh, I think John, John Wilner talked me into saying that Drake London was going to outscore Arizona by himself. <laughs> it might have happened. Yeah, it's true. Oh my gosh, now I'm sad. Yes, because Drake Drake London's out for the season now. At least at least the the rest of the regular season with a broken ankle, and and you have to assume he would not play in a bowl game because he's going in the draft because he's going in the first round. Um, right. What what did you guys make of this? Because it was forty one to thirty four, and they were getting an onside kick too. Like this, I was like, if if Arizona wins this this game they may fire Dante Williams as an interim head coach can you get fired as an interim head coach that's a hell of a question I mean have I you ever heard of an interim no I haven't heard of an interim getting fired but it's probably happened somewhere probably in the SEC um yeah you know I thought Arizona played with a lot of a lot of grit right in the past uh once they got down they they have had a hard time stopping the snowball but this time they were down I think 38 21 and they rallied so that was a that was progress 
I think last yep. week I talked about the fact that, like, statistically, offensively, you'll look at some of the things that USC is doing as a team, and then you'll look at the final score and you'll wonder how the hell <laughs> do these two things uh, – how do they coexist? Right. And USC had 313 yards passing four touchdowns, only one interception. Keontae Ingram had over 200 yards rushing by himself. And they only beat a team that hasn't won in two years by seven at home. (laughs) How is that even possible on a defense that is full of five-star talent in which like Drake Jackson, isn't even getting on the field anymore. Like Drake Jackson is getting under twenty snaps a game, which Why? is or not not Drake Jackson. Um, uh, who is the most recent five star defensive oh, lineman oh, that oh, they brought oh, in this last um, year? Corey, Corey uh, Foreman. The, uh, yes, yeah. So it's Corey Foreman that's not playing, yeah. and so you have. I mean, the, the the talent on this defense is ridiculous. Chris Steele continues to get beat. Um, Slade Matua continues to get beat. Isaiah Polamau is not uh, improving on who he was as a sophomore. It's, oh my gosh, it's just, and Corey Foreman's not even playing. What are you supposed to do with this defense that gives up 34 to a team whose highest total output before this was 19 points against Northern Arizona University? Boom. I mean, that's- they're a mess. And they play wor- they play much worse at home, too. Yep. Um, Now on to the Washington State Arizona game. Washington State won thirty four to twenty one. This game it was twenty eight to seven at halftime. This was not particularly close at all. I mean, Arizona State they ended up um, with Jaden Daniels through two interceptions. You had um, they lost three fumbles. What did you make? What What did you make out of this game, John? I mean, uh, Arizona State is uh, very fragile, right? I mean, that was a complete no show after a buy, after a loss. I mean, of all times, you'd think that they would be focused, uh, but you know, I don't know what's going on down there. It's going to be real interesting to see how this whole thing finishes because it could get much worse, right? They could stabilize, or it could just unravel completely yeah are the wheels falling off is the question yeah yeah i mean you look at outscored 28 nothing in the second half at utah and then what 28 7 in the first half against washington state man that is something else john uh i saw some arizona state fans that seem to be upset with the with, with with something that you had recently written calling um what the some of the stuff that arizona state is accused of that might be causing some of these lapses in focus uh, and and leading to them underperforming. Um, I think you used the word deplorable and there were some ASU fans that were, that, that were mad. Uh, can you explain what you mean uh, sp- like specifically about the, the seriousness of the allegations against Arizona state? Well, I mean, it's not like good old fashioned cheating. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's, it was violating, uh, you know, public trust and public health orders in a pandemic that uh, places people at undue risk. It was sticking their their finger in the face of uh, rules adopted by the NCAA and by the Pac-12 that were designed to to keep people safe and to contain the spread. And they just didn't seem to care. So 
I mean, that to me, that's where it's next level stuff is that it's about public health and not about just, you know, buying players, right? You can buying players happens all the time. That's, that's, you know, that's one thing, but what they were doing, I think was, was something else completely. Outside of, and, and outside of any of that, if a story came out in which part of the details uh, were a member of the coaching staff stole the quarterback's mother's credit card in order to cheat, would that not be a deplorable action? I mean, that that's the part that's the part that I keep zeroing in on that it doesn't seem like a lot of people want to talk about is that someone, according to the quarterback's mother, took her credit card and bought recruits, recruits airline yeah. tickets with it. You think that's true? Well, that's just it. All we can go no, off I of do is not. the fact. I, I'll say it. I don't think it's true. I don't think it's true. That seems freaking unreasonable. Okay, but the claim exists. The claim exists that so uh, Regina Jackson, Jaden Daniels' mother, spoke to Pete Thamel, confirmed the credit card charges for flights. She confirmed them. And she also said that she reported it to the credit card company as fraud. So, George, what you're saying is she, the quarterback's mother, admitted to credit card fraud. But what she's claiming is that someone committed credit card fraud, which she has already reported. That's the most serious thing that nobody is zeroing in on. Like a literal crime occurred. Yeah, it, which no, party no, committed I, the crime can be up for debate. But in actual, how many recruiting situations do you get into where someone committed a crime? And that's a, that's the and and no one nobody wants to talk about that part of it is that we have an admitted crime that took place. It might be relatively victimless, but it's still illegal. That doesn't come up very often. But regardless of all that, Washington State looked really really good. George, are you scared of them now? <laughs> Bro, I'm nobody, scared. Of, I'm scared. Nobody's of- paying attention to that because nobody believes her. So exactly. D- bingo. Um, okay. Am I afraid of Washington state? Yes. It's on, f- it's at seven 30 next week, but, but first we got to get through the Washington game, but yes, Washington <laughs> state, even though it's an Austin scares me because it's pack 12 after dark. Can we play it? I would be fine if all of the rest of Oregon games were at nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no. and and i hate not the idea of nine o'clock games but when when they played against ohio state it was cool i got the whole rest of the day to be okay um now we got oregon state at cal i did not expect this at all oregon state 25 cal 39 when did cal start scoring 39 points like I think that they exposed a what people already knew was that excuse me that was that Oregon State's defense is not that good, and if you can slow down their running game at all and force Chance Nolan to pass the ball, they cannot beat you. But we talked down about that last week is hard though. We talked about last week Cal moving the ball and just not scoring. It seems like they solved. That, at least for the for the time being, I mean, Oregon State is doing a lot with a little bit of talent. This game wasn't close, though. We can't pretend that it was close. 
Uh, Chance Nolan hasn't looked very good since he went up against USC, but a big part of a lot of quarterbacks looking good this year is the game in which they played USC and the game in which they played USC alone. <laughs> like that's a real phenomenon that has been happening for almost every Pac-12 team. A team will play Oregon or a team will play USC and we'll say, oh, is this quarterback for real? It happened with Will Plummer this week. People are like, oh, were we wrong about Will Plummer this whole time? No, you were not. You're not wrong about Chance Nolan. You're not wrong about anybody. It's that Oregon State can't do anything about the forward pass. It's like Oregon uh, or USC's defense just learned what the forward pass is. And they're still like trying to figure out what they need to do uh, to adapt to the forward <laughs> pass. But other, other than that, like Cal, Cal actually put the ball in the end zone. That's the biggest difference between who Cal was last week and who they are this week is that they only had to kick one field goal. <laughs> like when you have more extra points than you do field goal attempts, you're probably going to be in a good place. And that doesn't happen for Cal very often. And, and so um, the next game up, we have... Uh, we had Washington at Stanford, which was the ultimate rock fight of rock fights. Like, like you had, I mean, this was three, four, five, six, six field goals in a game, six field goals in a game. This this game could not have been, uh, John, this game almost made me hate watching football. Oh boy. I mean, how many times do you see a team win a conference road game when they don't score a touchdown for 59 minutes, right? I mean, it was bad. I couldn't. It was, what, it was not pleasant. What did you make of how Washington even tried to, like, go win the game? I mean, I thought you could argue that that last drive was their best drive of the whole season, right? You know, you had the, the pass to McMillan. You had the Morris on the keeper. Uh there was a little bit more creativity out of necessity than they typically show. Um, I, I mean, it was just a – it was not a pleasant football game to watch. I agree with you. But Stanford's not very good. Stanford's not very good. And it's, it's amazing that, you know, Stanford's now lost at home to uh, uh, Washington and to UCLA, and yet they beat Oregon. That, that Oregon loss – this is kind of back to playoff a little bit, but that could be a bad loss for the Ducks, and that could end up hurting them in the playoff debate too. If Stanford ends up three and nine or four and eight, it could be problematic for Oregon. They need they need Stanford to win. Uh, I think that if I'm if I'm not mistaken, Drake London goes down for the season. Uh, with three less touchdowns than Washington has as a team this year. Well, that's a good stat. Drake London had seven touchdowns. I think University of Washington has ten total. So that's that's this is not going well. <laughs> they gotta they gotta figure the Huskies have got to get the ball to their playmakers. It's like they are incapable of actually. They don't want to do it. Up. He wants to he wants to play football like. Like uh, like Stanford is playing football, except for intellectual brutality is broken. It's dead. You cannot play football like that and win anymore. Like at a very high level, you cannot do it. If Nick Saban can't do it, nobody can do it. 
And he's got the most talent in the country. Like Jimmy, Jimmy Lake is dude. He's going to do just good enough to not get fired for the next two years. But Washington with their recruiting classes, then they're going to have a deficit of talent, which is going to be an even bigger problem. I don't know, man. I, all I know is it, it made sense to me the first couple of years Herm Edwards was at Arizona State to shorten games, run the ball, and play defense. It would not make sense to me if they carried that strategy into year four of trying to shorten games when you've amassed more talent on average than the other team at most every position. Uh, Washington still has a lot of really good players on their team, and the idea that they try to shorten these games and put themselves in these situations where it could be won or lost on one possession, it could do something really good for you, like give you the opportunity to beat Stanford in the last minute, or it could put you in a situation where you lose to University of Montana. And um, you have uh, the other game that we had up was um, Oregon versus Colorado. I thought that this was a very good performance by the Ducks, 52 to 29. I don't like the last two late touchdowns, but overall, I thought it was a decent game. Thoughts? What? Are you concerned with the the late scoring? I've I've listened to some people who have who have said that they they uh they thought that Oregon squandered an opportunity to really flex um late in the game. I I don't I don't think fourth quarter touchdowns when you're up three four five scores I don't think they matter at all. Well, see, ordinarily I am a big b- believer in that those fourth down that those fourth quarter late touchdowns do matter because those are usually players that you, that would have to play if you're injured at some point in point in time. But for Oregon, they have been playing their, their third and fourth stringers and walk-ons since halftime, basically like they, like they didn't have starters in. So, you know, like one, and they're already beat up. So now you're down to walk on. So that that's the only reason why I didn't put a lot of stock in um, in that. But um, but I guess on to our Pac-12 power rankings for this week. Um, We did ours already. So we have ours down. John, are you ready with yours? Uh, sure thing. Uh, I don't think, I mean, it didn't really change at this point of the year. You know, it doesn't change all that much week to week, but except for that number two spot, like Ralph was saying, you know, it's (laughs) yeah. who is, who are we designating as this week's loser? Yeah. It's crazy. Um, Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the capital region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, guys. It's Rich Davis from Covino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. All right, so, uh, Ralph, what is your 12 through 7? I've got Arizona at the bottom, uh, Colorado at 11, Stanford at 10, Washington at 9, and i got to issue a correction. I was looking at their total rushing touchdowns for the season being 10. They've actually got 21 touchdowns this year, which shocks me. Um, uh, At number 8, I've got USC, and at number 7, UCLA. I have Arizona at 7, Colorado at 11, USC at 10, Stanford at 9, Cal at 8, and Washington at 7. How about you, John? I have got uh, Arizona last, and I am trying to think. I think Arizona's been last every week, right? You starting the season. Uh, Colorado 11, Stanford 10, Cal 9, Washington 8. And then who's 7? Oh, USC 7. Oh, you, you, you're still get, giving UCLA some love. Okay. Um, all right, uh, Ralph, you're six through one. I got uh, Arizona State at number six, Oregon State at number five, at four, amazingly, when they were 10 last week, uh, I've got Cal, and then Washington State at three, Utah at two, and Oregon at one, which means five. my top five teams are all in the Pac-12 North. <laughs> no, right. no, Utah's not. Utah's not. I'm sorry. I have Arizona State at six, Oregon State at five. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I have you. I was looking at yours. UCLA at six, Arizona State at five, Oregon State at four, Washington State at three, Utah at two, and Oregon at one. And I've got uh, ASU at six, Oregon State at five, UCLA four. Washington State three, Utah, and then Oregon. Oh, so Utah is doomed this week. Oh man, rest. Oh, that's that's terrible. Terrible for the Utes. <laughs> All right, now uh, on to week ten. Um, 
And and before we get to week 10, super quickly, um, Clay Helton is now employed again. He's the new head coach at Georgia Southern. In case you didn't miss it, will he be successful at Georgia Southern? What does success look like at Georgia Southern? I don't know enough about enough about them. I I know that it's it's kind of a good move because I think that he is from the area or at least at some point coached um in the area. I know he spent time at Duke. I know he's ultimately from Gainesville, but I feel like uh I feel like this is more his speed. Out, yes. out around here. I, I feel like it's a it, it, it's a better fit than Los Angeles, California. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Totally, totally agree. A lot less pressure. I think he'll have some success there. What, what about you, John? Yeah, I think he will. I think that's more his style. That's more his level. Right. Uh, yeah, and Sunbelt's going to be a good league. They're adding some teams and, you know, it's going to probably be better conference than, uh, than CUSA. I don't necessarily Appalachian State's always good, right? Uh, yep. So, be a Coastal Carolina. So, I, I think it's good for him. You know, I think he's a good guy, and that's that's much more his level than than USC was. You know, you can play that. They can you can line up with an empty backfield, uh, fourth and one at the goal line, and nobody's going to complain. <laughs> Nobody's going to complain. You know? can line up on fourth and inches with, with no back in the backfield and, and five, five wides and, yeah. and 11 men in, in the box and still won't throw it, buddy. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, all right. Um, now on to the games. Well, actually, before we get to the games this week, I uh, got to tell you guys how we did last week. And uh, Ralph, wh- how did we do? Terribly. I think anybody who was picking Pac-12 games did really poorly. Uh, you went one and five against the spread. I ah! went two and four. I know uh, I know the guys over at um, uh, the podcast, of Champions, went two and four. I think this was a, this, this week was a mess for literally everyone. Uh, we both went four and two on the over-unders, uh, oh. which we've, we've both had a lot of success all year long on those. Um, but we are, we are definitely struggling uh, against the spread here. All right. Um, now, oh, oh, and we, and we got to get John's picks in here too, buddy. Um, so, uh, for this week, we have another Friday night game, which I absolutely hate, but weird things happen. So Stanford's anemic offense brings in Utah, uh, on Friday night games on e- games on FS one, seven kick Utah is favored by seven and a half points on the road, going to the farm. Over under fifty four. Who you got, Ralph? Doesn't this over under feel like the one of the easiest of the whole year? Yes, yes, it, it, yes, a- absolutely. Because even like even a thirty three to twenty game wins, and yes. I don't. It, it's hard for me to imagine Stanford at this point getting twenty. Um, so I will take. I'll go ahead and take Utah on the under. All right, I am going to take. Utah and the under as well. Uh, I'm going to take Utah on the under because Tanner McKee is questionable. And that would obviously Stanford's backup. Jack West is not very good. So yeah. uh, And Tanner's just been, I too. Yeah. And you know, they got a lot of receivers out. I I do think it's going to be hard for them to score. 
And I think Utah will run the ball very well, shorten the game, fewer chances for both teams to score. You know, not close, but but uh, definitely under. So yeah. we'll have our second bowl eligible team by the time Saturday rolls around. Is what everybody thinks. Should yeah. All right, the next game in order up, we have Cal at Arizona. Cal is favored by twelve points over under a fifty and a half. I think there's going to be a lot of overreaction to this game only from one side because I think more people probably watched what Arizona did against USC than watched Cal this last weekend. And if you're if you're um, going with any trend, I think it would make more sense to go with a team that always moves the ball and finally figure out how to get it into the end zone than a team that rarely moves the ball and got it into the end zone against a team that gives up a bunch of points to everybody. So I do like Cal in this game, and I will go ahead and take the over. Mm, I am going to take Arizona in this game. They keep it close. They still lose at kickoff. At kickoff on Saturday, it's going to be like 90 degrees, bro. It is going to be hot. Arizona is going to be in their white uniforms. They are going to go out there with a little bit of momentum and go out and shock the world and lose by like three points, man. <laughs> and and I got the and I got the over at 50 and a half. Um, you know, I I think one thing to consider, not fully, but partially, is you know, Cal. Before they beat Oregon State, they beat up on Colorado, and Colorado shut out Arizona. So uh, I think Cal is not going to get – unlike USC, I think Cal's not going to give Arizona as many chances. Uh, so I got Cal plus the under. I think I think Arizona's going to have a hard time scoring. Mm. Listen, I'm not going to let you talk me out of my pick this week, John. Um, the, but, you, but you're making some very compelling points. Oregon State – at Colorado, Oregon State's favorite by 10 and a half points in Boulder. Um, yeah. And, and over under 54. Where you at, Ralph? What's the spread again? 10 and a half two, for Oregon Two State. scores? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, considering everybody has done it to Colorado recently, any, anybody not named Texas A&M has managed to – um, cover it feels like I guess I got a roll with Oregon State, but I don't. I don't think Colorado is going to regress offensively. I think they're building a little bit. I think they're figuring out who their weapons are, um, and they've got a little bit of momentum. So I will take Oregon State, but I'm going to jump on that over as well. I'm right along with you, Ralph. Oregon State and the over. This feels like a game. Yeah, Colorado's bad. I think they put up a fight, but Oregon State, they want this. Like, they want to be bowl eligible. They want the game against Oregon to really, really matter uh, with a possible trip to the Rose Bowl on the line. So they're going to come out, play hard. Yeah, given Oregon State's – the way their defense has played on the road, it seems like Colorado's got a decent chance to score some points. And I don't think Nate Lamont's playing again. So – uh, I, I think it, the over to me is a better bet than the, the line itself, but I would probably take Colorado and the over. All right. Um, we got Oregon at Washington. Oregon's favored by seven points. 
Over under 51. Where are you at, Ralph? Well, I think I think the the my my initial gut instinct is to just scream under. Um I think this could be uh this game could get ugly and or or the phrase that you like to use a rock fight. Um but I do I am not scared of that six and a half point line. I it could be just a one score win, but I think it might be one of those one score wins where Washington gets a score at the end to put it in that situation. I'm thinking, you know, twenty four to fourteen, twenty four to seventeen, Oregon wins. So I'll go ahead and take the spread as well. I got Oregon in this game, and I got the over as well. Jimmy Lake's comments didn't didn't help. Uh, Mario Cristobal, if given the opportunity, will run the score up if possible. Um, John, where you at? Yeah, I agree. I think that the the comments are add an interesting dynamic. The other thing is Washington's got four wins. Barely beat Stanford three and six. Barely beat Cal three and six. Arkansas State's terrible, and it barely beat Arizona, which is winless. They they haven't beaten anybody. And yeah. Oregon, we've seen multiple times they play well when they feel threatened when they feel like it's a big game you know when they're not bored and i don't think they're yep. going to be bored so no. i kind of like uh what what'd you say was 51 yep you know i'm kind of thinking oregon uh oregon and the under i don't know that the huskies are going to score much mm, I, I i like that take out of you john <laughs> Um, All right, the last game of the day, USC at Arizona State. Arizona State is favored by eight and a hook and over under 59 and a half. Where you at, Ralph? (laughs) This is the ultimate. uh, There's a Mike Ditka quote that uh, says effort without talent is a depressing situation, but talent without effort is a tragedy. Um, this is the this is the ultimate tragic matchup of the uh, of the Pac-12 South. Both of these teams should be a lot better than they are. I don't know who's going to get the majority of the snaps at quarterback for USC. I do know that Keaton Slovis is five and zero against the Arizona schools that didn't offer him in his college career, and this is probably his last opportunity to go out and become six and zero. He had the comeback win against Arizona State last year. Uh, and this is also Jaden Daniels' um, best opportunity to finally get a win against the team that didn't offer him in, in USC. Uh, so there is some interesting storylines here. I don't really know what to I, – I, I don't feel good about the two-score spread. So I'll say that I think that USC will cover, and I do think that there's going to be a lot of points. But ultimately, I do think Arizona State finds a way to win this game. Yeah, they yep. always play well. I mean, they had they didn't beat SC last year, but they usually plays well against the Trojans because all those Southern California kids kind of get real up up to the game. So, uh, I kind of like ASU. I think that there's going to be like this, in a in a broader scale downturn in the second half of the season. This is going to be like the one shining moment for the Sun Devils before they go up to the Pacific Northwest and get beat twice. Um, <laughs> so, I kind of like uh, I kind of like ASU. And how about the over, under, 59 and a half? That's a lot of points, but you got to figure there's going to be a bunch of turnovers and there's going to be a bunch of uh, 15-yard personal foul penalties. Uh, 
I, I'm probably over. I mean, I'm thinking like it's good 40 to 28, something like that. Mm. I like the over as well, except I'm riding with the Trojans, dude. They're like a wounded dog. They've, they've, they, they've lost Drake London. They got nothing to play for. They're trying to make a bowl game. Dante's fighting for his coaching life. Yeah, they're a wounded dog, but the wound is in the mouth. They, go, they have no teeth. <laughs> they're toothless. That's funny. Um, Too bad they don't have an over/under on the penalties and turnovers in this game. Oh my gosh, could we set one at like nineteen? Let's that. There we go. That's uh, accepted penalties over/under. Nineteen's a good number. Nineteen's a really high number, but that's I'll right take where it. they average. If you add, the, they're both like basically at nine per game. Okay, well, I'll root for the ugliness. Let's go with the over <laughs> over nineteen accepted penalties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I'll, I'll accept that as well. I will take the over on that as well. This is going to be two teams that are just, yeah, just bad, bad. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah. So, and we will see how many bowl eligible teams there are next week. All right, you guys. Wait, there could be is- as many as four. How do you? How many do you think they'll be? So we could have as many as four. I'm based on your picks, George. You're saying three. Yes. I'll say four. John, you yep. you had Utah, right? You had Utah winning and ASU winning. Yep. So that's three. And then who was the the other one would have been Oregon State at Colorado. Yep. Okay. So we both have four. George, you're on three. We'll see. Yep. All right. <laughs> um, you guys, this is the Pac-12 Apostles. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden, and he's John Wilner. All right. Thank you, guys. Peace out. Catch you guys next week. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroesfilm.com to get tickets now. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.